I, I didn't understand anything that Pastor Seahawk prayed, but I did hear the word sanctuary a couple times. Did you guys hear that? I've listened to the video a couple times. I think I heard it three times. Isn't it cool that we serve a God who understands that hears every tongue, every tribe, every language, that one day in heaven, like that's what we'll get to experience and understand all that is going on. I can't get over the fact that this church in Cambodia, all of these miles away, decided that they would huddle up together for a night and pray for us. When I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the coolest gift anyone could give us to huddle up and pray for us, to stand in God's presence on our behalf. Uh, such an amazing, amazing gift. And then to pray over our kids uh, like that, uh, whatever he prayed for, I say yes and amen. What, pray for our kids again, just the, just the greatest, just the greatest, greatest gift. Uh, today, we're gonna come to the close of this series that we've been in the last uh, couple months called The Voice of God. If you've been around the last several weeks, we've been exploring scripture, becoming attuned to the voice of God. We began in Genesis. We went all the way through Revelation last week, heard a little bit about God speaking to the churches. We've heard God's voice time and time again. It's been really cool to hear God speak broadly and God speak intimately. It's been cool to hear God speak publicly and then speak personally. Uh, he speaks to churches, he speaks to individuals, he speaks to nations. And I hope that in these last weeks, you've heard God speak to you. God's always speaking, his word is always speaking. And now in these next moments, I'm really trusting that you'll hear God speak to you again this morning. Some of you may uh, be aware of what's happening on the campus of Asbury Seminary, or Asbury University, excuse me. Any of you guys uh, been following what's happening on the campus of Asbury University? Yeah, for the last 11 days, I think it's 11 days, uh, for 24 hours a day, I think it was February 8th, uh, students of Asbury have both heard the voice of God and have been the voice of God. Uh, some folks have called what's happening at Asbury a revival. Others have called it a season of renewal. This guy named J.D. Walt that a lot of us kind of follow. He's a writer, uh, has a little devotional, but J.D. used to be the... Um, used to be the, I can't remember his official title. He was the chaplain at the university, at the seminary uh, for, for a long time. And JD's been um, at Asbury. And, and this is what he said about what's happening there. It is clearly an outpouring or an encounter with the Lord of the church, Jesus Messiah. History can define it as it will. It is extraordinary and yet nothing new. Many of you have seen and experienced the kind of things that are happening here, and yet none of us really have been in this kind of concentrated and sustaining move. The hunger of people coming from everywhere is enormous. It's characterized by exuberant worship, empowered by the Spirit, and led by students. There's a lot of prayer being led all over the house. There are testimonies given throughout the day. It is the holy love of God rising like a tide and rolling like waves. It's an outpouring of the spirit like I've never witnessed before in my lifetime. And on Thursday evening, I stood outside of Hughes Chapel at Asbury University with some old friends and some new ones. And when I finally arrived inside the chapel, I was overwhelmed with the tenderness and intimacy 
and the presence of God. A few college kids were up front leading us and they were singing songs as I was climbing over the back row chair to sit, find my spot. You know, it was packed. It was packed. There was people everywhere. And I was trying to catch my breath. That was what was going on. And those of you that know me will know that I just started crying. I just like, what is going on? This is incredible. I just, I probably wept for 30 minutes. I couldn't handle it. The presence of God was so sweet, so powerful and so peaceful. Just sort of wrapped up each of us that were there. And I couldn't help but thinking of sitting in that very chapel 25 years ago with my daughter on my lap, praying for this kind of thing to happen. And praying that the Lord would begin it in me. Begin it in me, Lord. Begin it in me. Begin it here. Begin it now. But it was the humility of those who were leading us. It was the humility of those who I was worshiping with. There was a unity in that room. A unity, a like-mindedness that welcomed and embraced each person, each moment with the Spirit. I was there for a really long time. In fact, Friday when I went back, it was snowing and we were standing outside waiting for a time to get in. Like we had to wait because it was so packed. It's snowing outside and not one person complained. Not one person was criticizing the way things were being run. It was this like-minded, this deep hunger for the presence of God. No matter what it took, I want to be where God's presence is. I heard the voice of God and it wasn't loud or demanding. It was best heard by the love of his people, his voice being spoken through the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and the self-control of his people. His voice was heard through the fruit of the Spirit being exhibited through his people. This message this morning is going to be a little bit different than the last seven messages we've had in this series. The last seven messages have looked at how God speaks to us. This message is going to look a little bit different and sound a little bit different. I want to propose that we are the voice of God. That you and I are the voice of God in a lost and dying world. You and I are the voice of God in this neighborhood and the nations. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter one. This will kind of be our foundational passage. We'll start here and then we'll bounce around scripture for a little bit. Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20. I want you to hear the voice of God speaking through scripture. It's a passage that we've read many times over the years here at and you this morning. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And Jesus is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything Jesus might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is the head. 
We are his body. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the middle. Jesus is the end. Jesus is God and God is love. If you have your Bibles, flip back just a couple of chapters, a couple of books to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A couple of verses want to share here. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14, and then verse 27. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 14, and then verse 27. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Verse 14, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Over the last several weeks, I've been encouraging you to read the Bible incarnationally, putting yourself in the story. I don't think it takes a lot of work for us to get ourselves in this story. The text says that me, we, we are the body of Christ. Uh, would you guys agree with me on this one? Uh, you can just give me a yes or a no. We are the body of Christ, yes? You are a part of it, yes? You are a part of the body of Christ, yes? We are a part of the body of Christ. John the Beloved writes these words, 1 John 4, 17, in this world, we are like Jesus. We are the body of Christ and in this world, we are like Jesus. This is our given identity. The body of Christ gives witness to the gospel of Christ. The big question for most of us is not, do we believe this? I think most of us believe this or we might not be here. Most of us believe most of this stuff. The big question is, will the church embody and articulate its only legitimate identity? We are the body of Christ. In this world, we are like Jesus. The big question is, will God's people live in love as followers of Jesus Christ? In the earliest days of the church, this church was getting started. Jesus had just ascended and the church is getting started. All the disciples are kind of running around. Things are pretty wild. It's a beautiful time. And they're living out this new identity as followers of this resurrection and now ascended Jesus. And there's this crazy story of what's going on in uh, these first few days. If you have your Bibles, flip all the way back to Acts chapter four. There's um, this really crazy story about Peter and John in Jerusalem. And the story goes that they've been arrested and they're before this big council of religious leaders. We'll talk about it here in just a second. They're arrested because they had uh, healed a crippled man. And Peter gives this blistering sermon in Acts chapter three. And, and then this is how Acts chapter four starts. This is really amazing. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, uh, the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them. And since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Okay, this is what's happening. So there's a little back and forth in these next couple of verses uh, down to verse 12. Uh, Peter just flatly says to these guys, he says, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 
And then verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Okay, I gotta stop right here. Check out this. You, you, I gotta make sure you guys get this. I can't just blow past this one. Like, this is amazing. Are you guys following along here? Are you getting this? This is crazy. Uh, Peter and John, just a couple of ordinary guys, probably like the people sitting next to you. Just a couple of ordinary guys. Uh, no special training. It uh, doesn't sound like they went to university or to seminary. It doesn't sound like they took any extra leadership classes. And it notes that these guys, it notes that they, uh, these religious leaders saw the courage of these two guys. They reference this word courage because Peter and John are speaking to an audience of the wealthiest and most intellectual and most powerful leaders in the land. And yet Peter, this Galilean fisherman, this ordinary guy, stands before them as their judge rather than as their victim. This is the very court that condemned Jesus to death. So Peter's taking his life in his own hands when he's talking to these guys this way. And what was it that they noticed about Peter and John? What was their one and only credential? Did you guys catch this? Uh, say it out loud. Okay, okay. Is it not enthusiastic enough to like, what was their one and only credential? They were with Jesus. That's it. The one and only credential is that they were with Jesus. This is what I experienced at Asbury. A bunch of ordinary college kids who had been with Jesus. A bunch of college kids whose singular desire was to be with Jesus. Their only desire was to be with Jesus. And they hung out day and night in this chapel. Eventually, some kids kind of left and went to class or called their parents or were texting back to their home church. But when they left, they left with Jesus. They didn't leave Jesus in the church or in the auditorium. They left with Jesus. And they are living this with Jesus kind of life. In this text, the story goes back and forth. Uh, Peter and these guys, and then it ends this way. This is verse 18. Then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You can't be doing this stuff. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. This is incredible. These guys are just speaking about what they've seen and heard. They're just telling their testimony. They're just saying what they learned after being with Jesus. They're just saying, because I was with Jesus, this is what I know. And I can't help but talk about this. Uh, on Thursday night, I got a text from Kevin. He said, have you, he texted me, he said, have you heard about this Asbury thing? Uh, these are your people, he said. Do you think this is real? And I texted him back, it's real to me. I can't help but talk about, and I can't wait to tell you about what I have seen and what I have heard. Peter and John are the voice of God in this moment. And like Peter and John, I'm not advocating for you to speak for God. God doesn't need you to speak for him. And I'm not advocating for you to speak on God's behalf. He can handle it. 
I'm advocating for the body of Christ to live such devoted lives that his voice speaks through you. That his spirit, that his fruit pervades our everyday ordinary life. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal to the neighborhood and the nations through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are the voice of God. And what happens if we stay silent? What happens if we let somebody else do it? Call on somebody else to do it. We are the voice of God in this neighborhood and in the nations. As a church, we have a vision statement. It includes these five transformational dynamics. We've talked about them some over the years. The fifth of those dynamics says that we are in Christ for the sake of the world. To be in Christ means that we've been redeemed from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the heavens. Colossians chapter 1 Verses 13 and 14, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. By repentance and faith, we move into this new identity. The old is gone. The new has come. We are now firmly and eternally established in Christ. I want us to uh, try something together. I want us to read a passage of scripture out loud. All of us read a passage of scripture out loud together uh, from Ephesians chapter one, verse three through 14. And I want you to hear this, uh, this truth of living in Christ. We'll talk about for the sake of the world here in just a moment. I've personalized this passage of scripture. So when we read it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be first person, right? So how about we read this out loud, all of us together. You guys ready? Out loud, here we go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose me in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined me for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given me in Christ, the one he loves. In Christ, I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on me. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to me the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In Christ, I am chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And I also was included in Christ 
when I heard the message of truth, the gospel of my salvation, when I believed, I was marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing my inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Any amens on that? That's who you are in Christ. That's what we receive in Christ. In Christ, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You've been redeemed, forgiven, adopted, declared holy and blameless. You've been declared holy and blameless in God's sight and sealed with the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Dane Ortland, the writer of this book uh, that I love, Gentle and Lowly, he says, if you are in Christ... Your sins cause that stockpile of mercy to grow all the more. Where sins abound, his grace superabounds. It's in your pockets of deepest shame and regret that his heart dwells and won't leave. Every believer is now perfect in Christ. You are the voice of God in this neighborhood and in the nations. We're in Christ. But being in Christ is not just for us. Like if we sit in here and we all get this message and we're like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. This message is not just for us. Jesus gives us a higher calling, a more compelling purpose as a people, as a people and as individuals. He calls us to live in his presence and to mature and grow, to transform, to change. Obedience to Jesus always involves an increasing capacity to love God and to love others. We are in Christ for the sake of the world. I wanna just talk about this just a minute more. It's really important to know the difference between being in Christ for the sake of the world or being in the world for the sake of Christ. The difference is huge. It's not just subtle, it's staggering. So let me just explain this real quick. When I'm in the world for the sake of Christ, I pursue my own agenda. I, I get to live on my own schedule. When I'm in the world for the sake of Christ, I'm in control. And I get to control my relationship with God. Conversely, when I'm in Christ for the sake of the world, as he is, so are we in this world. In this world, we are like Jesus, 1 John 4, 17. When I'm in Christ for the sake of the world, we are broken bread, and poured out wine for the sake of others. We live as the manifest presence of Christ. Now, I don't know if you guys get this. We've talked about this a few times. We are the body of Christ. So where the body of Christ goes, the manifest presence of Christ goes. The best way that I can describe this is when you sit down at Waffle House and that person sits across from you, they are sitting the manifest presence of Christ in that booth. You are the manifest presence of Christ. When I'm in Christ for the sake of the world, my love is radically other referenced and God is in control of our relationship, not me. If there's one thing here that I could talk about for a really long time, it's that last one. I used to think that I was in control of our relationship with God. Not so much. God is in control of our relationship. When we are rooted in anything other than Christ, we're a protective, defensive, manipulative, possessive. We're at work to preserve our fleshly nature and I am there too. 
When we're rooted in Christ, our identity is in Christ alone. Colossians chapter three, verses one through four. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. To be in Christ for the sake of the world calls to loving presence and action in the neighborhood and in the nations, sharing our faith, giving generously of our resources, reconciliation and peacemaking, interpersonally and across lines of race or gender or socioeconomic status and people groups, working for justice, exercising compassion and the care for the poor and widows and working for the betterment of life in the human community in Jesus' name. All true discipleship is for the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives and for the sake of others, or it's not Christian discipleship at all. You are the voice of God in this neighborhood and the nations. I wanna give you three stories and then I'll wrap it up. When you came in today, uh, you found a card on your seat. Uh, the front of the card talks a little bit about prayer. Uh, the back of the card has a bunch of names on it. These names are people who are an extension of our church in the neighborhood and in the nations. These are our local and global partners living in Christ for the sake of the world. Earlier this week, uh, Mary Tilbury and I, you'll hear from Mary here in just a moment. Mary Tilbury and I had the chance to get on a Zoom call with our partners, Justin and Elizabeth, who are in Southeast Asia we Zoomed to talk a little bit about the earthquake that has devastated Turkey and Syria. And Justin began to talk about a level of suffering that I just couldn't even get my head and heart around. Uh, he said that over 100,000 people had died from the earthquake. And he went on to say that 10 million people have become homeless because of the earthquake. We... Uh, talked and tried to figure out like, how can we encourage these guys? And then he said, everyone is afraid. Everyone is afraid. And he said, one of the biggest things we battle is fear. And they talked about wanting to do something. They talked about wanting to help. They talked about wanting to, like, to practically get involved, but being restricted to actually get involved and help. And I could totally resonate with that. I was like, Let's go, how can we help? I'll call some friends and we'll come over and bring a team and they're like, we can't, we're restricted to help. And he said, I just love the honesty. He said, the hardest thing for us to do is just to sit here and pray. He said, it just feels so hard to sit here and pray. It feels like we're not doing anything. And Mary said, prayer is the most important thing that you can do. And he said, I know it is, but it's so hard just to sit here and pray. Prayer is not the only thing that we do, but it is the most important thing. And we got the chance to pray with them and pray for them. And they, they just said, we're just gonna commit to praying until God leads us. Uh, Justin and Elizabeth are in Christ for the sake of the world. 
A couple weeks ago, Hayes Elementary School called and they asked us to help them throw a party. They didn't ask us to come to the party. They asked us to help throw the party, to like set up the party and clean up after the party. And, and we were like, yeah, we'll, we'd love to do that. We'd love to take out the trash and clean bathrooms. And a bunch of you guys said, I'll help with that. I'll help with that. I'll help with a public school, inviting the church to come help them throw a party. I'm in for that. And a bunch of you guys raised your hands. You said, I'll show up, I'll clean up, I'll give my time, I'll clean bathrooms. And it just happened a couple Fridays ago. I got, and then this week we got this poster from a first grade class at Hayes. Got a picture up there, I think. I don't know if you'll be able to see it. And it just says, uh, dear, dear community helpers, thank you for helping at Hayes. You make Hayes a better place. And we're thankful for you. And it's got the names of every kid in Miss Divine's first grade class and their, and their picture. Those of you that raised your hand said, yeah, man, I'll be in Christ for the sake of the world and clean some bathrooms. I think I can, I think I can do that. Last illustration I want to share about two gals that are here in this room right now. The first is, first gal's name is Kay. Kay's been around our church for a long time and she's been growing as a disciple, uh, sowing, uh, leading, learning, loving, praying, blessing. And over time, Kay felt kind of nudged to care for widows. Kay's not a widow, but she just had this nudging to do something for widows. And she got a list of widows' names in our church and she just started writing them letters. In the spring, a new family came to our church, uh, Bill and Kathy, uh, they came to our church and uh, Bill's worship leader and Kathy would join along. Um, but after just being here just for a couple weeks, uh, they experienced this great tragedy and Bill died in a car accident, leaving Kathy a widow. Not knowing uh, who Kathy was, Kay started writing letters to Kathy. And Kathy, not knowing what else to do, is write letters back to Kay. Not really knowing that they were both in our church, just kind of knowing that there's somebody in need. Kay just started writing letters. And Kathy has said to me a couple times, it's kind of hard to come to church. Uh, her husband being a worship leader, it's hard to come sometimes. And in fact, sometimes Kathy said, I just snuck out during the worship time because it's just hard to be here. Some of you know that pain. I don't know that pain, but some of you know how hard it is when you lose someone just to come to church with all of these families and Anyway, Kathy said, well, I want to be in fellowship. And so she signed up for a community Bible study, uh, not connected to our church, just a community Bible study. A couple folks from our church were there and they had name tags on. All of the women had name tags on and Kathy's sitting there and she looked across and the name tag said K. And they started looking at each other and K looked at Kathy and name tag. And then next thing you know, Kathy and K met up and connected with each other and Kathy told Kay, you've been praying for me and sending me cards since my husband died. And though they'd never met, even though they were in the same church until that moment, Kay hadn't, Kay hadn't said, hey, uh, let, me, let me do something. Kay took it upon herself. We didn't have like a program here where we said, hey, let's write letters to widows. We didn't do anything like that on her own initiative. Kay, who's in Christ for the sake of the world, just said, I'm just gonna do this. And next thing you know, she's ministering to a person she didn't even know who just happens to be in our church. 
Kay and Kathy living in Christ for the sake of the world. And that kind of stuff happens all the time, all over the church. It happened last weekend, just as Troy said. It happens every day. Teachers seeing their students and stepping into their places of fear and anxiety. Soccer coaches staying after practice to talk to a mom about a lost son. People in recovery, talking on the phone and in coffee shops to other people who are in recovery. Lawyers helping the accused and roofers helping the roofless. Moms praying fervently for growing daughters and daughters praying reverently for aging moms and dads. Ordinary people like you and me who have been with Jesus. You are like the voice of Jesus standing in God's presence, travailing for the neighborhood and the nations. The best thing that we can do with our voice is to pray. The most important way that we can use our voice in this neighborhood and nations is to stand in God's presence and intercede to intercede for our partners, to intercede for our neighbors, to intercede for the people sitting next to us, to intercede for the nations. I asked Mary if she'd come and lead us here in just a moment in a season of prayer. Prayer is not the only thing we do, but it is the most important thing we do. I'll say this last word. Yesterday, we were in our elder meeting and one of the elders, we were talking a little bit about this thing that was going on at Asbury and he has two daughters who are at Lee University. And some crazy things are starting to happen at Lee University. And he said, I don't know what's going on at Asbury or Lee, but I mean, this is amazing. And I said, well, the same thing is happening at Samford University where my daughter is. What is going on? What is happening? And with tears in his eyes, this elder said, why can't it happen here? And why can't it happen now? And so that's what we prayed for. That God's outpouring would happen here and it would happen now. And that it would begin with me. In this season of prayer, Mary's going to lead us in some real practical ways and she's going to pray over us and pray over our partners. I want to invite you in this season to say that prayer. Lord, begin it in me. Right here, Jesus. Right now, begin it in me. Well, Mary, come on. Uh, come and help us. Will you guys welcome Mary Tilbury? She's going to take us from here. Thank you, Mary. In Christ for the sake of the world. Recently, I was reading a story about a missionary to China this lady that was in China in the late 1800s and she was dying and she was asked, why did you spend so many years in China? And she said, well, maybe God had called someone else. Maybe God had called a man in a time when women weren't so much on the mission field. She says, maybe that person didn't answer the call. She said, I answered the call. And she loved her time on the field. I don't know about you, but God often speaks to me 
after a time of prayer. That's when I seem to hear his voice the most and the clearest. So this morning, as a way of response, as Craig said, we have four corners set up in the room. Community, faith, suffering, unity. We invite you to, uh, after we have a time of prayer here, to continue your time of prayer, maybe in one of the corners. There's more information in the corners on what those areas look like. Maybe return to your seats for a time of prayer. Or also in the corners, there are cards for a response that you could fill out with a prayer or just a word of encouragement to one of our partners out there on the field. And I'll be sure to pass it on to our partners. So now during this time, we'd like anybody that's here in our faith family to come forward and have a time of prayer that we can pray over those here and pray over those that are out there. So if y'all would like to come up here and anybody that would like to come up and join them, um, we'll have some, some time of prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you. Lord, we exalt you. We thank you for this time this morning to hear from you. Lord, we ask that we hear you and that we understand you, Lord, what you're calling each one of us to. We ask you, Lord, to step in now with us as we try to uh, narrow the gap between us here and those of our extended family that are out there somewhere else in the world. Lord, we ask you to be with them. I think of uh, Heather, Heather Hall, who is in Mexico right now. This young girl, Lord, that you called to the field. She didn't know where she was going or what she was in for, but she's down there in Mexico, Lord, teaching these kids English, but she's also teaching them about you. But her circumstances hasn't been easy. She's been fighting a battle with health and living conditions. But Lord, even after a time of coming home, she decided to go back. So she's back down there. So we ask you, Lord, to just uh, wrap your arms around her, to care for her, Lord, and to love on her. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, open the hearts of those people that she's around. Lord, in the minds of those children, that they could understand you, Lord bring the love of you into their hearts. Lord, I, I also think about Camilo and Carla down there in the DR and how they're reaching out into their community around them. 
Lord, and how they're, they're spreading your word to people that do not know you. So, Lord, again, I ask for health for Carla. Lord, and I ask you for stamina for them, Lord, that they could have the, uh, the, the ambition, Lord, and the courage, Lord, and what it takes, Lord, to, uh, to just be in the community around them. Draw hearts and souls to you in that area. Lord, I, I want to lift up uh, Tony and Placido Mercado in Bolivia. Dear, dear friends of mine, Lord, who are doctors there that day after day, Lord, just reach out to heal folks, Lord, in your name. As you bring people to them, Lord, with all kinds of ailments and, and illnesses, Lord, that you would give them not only, Lord, what they need to heal these people, but you could give them what they need, Lord, to heal hearts as well. That these people would grow in the knowledge and love of you and that they would find you in their hearts, Lord. Lord, I think of Aaron and Pepe in uh, Peru, partners that our kids have established relationships with. Lord, uh, the turmoil that's down there, the unrest in that country, Lord, as well as the turmoil and unrest that's in Bolivia. Governments, Lord, that suppress their people. That you could help them, Lord, that you could help them overcome the suppression to reach into the hearts and, and souls of your people, Lord. That people would know, Lord, that it's you that they need, that the government can't do anything to them, Lord, or take anything from them, Lord, because everything comes from you. Lord, I think of the, the hurt and the fear, like Craig said, that's over there in, in uh, the Middle East right now, in Syria, Lord, and in Turkey. And I think about Justin and Elizabeth, Lord, that are over there. They want to do so much, but the governments won't even let them do it. So, they're, Lord, they're just looking for relationships. They're looking for people to talk with that they can just start a conversation about you. So, Lord, bring them those people. Bring them, Lord, those relationships so that the spark will start, Lord. Lord, I, I think about uh, those dear ladies, Lord, over there in Ethiopia. Some of them, Lord, that I had the opportunity to meet after Christmas. Women, Lord, that are trying to provide for their families on their own. Oh, the living conditions are so severe. It's, it's a, a big thing, Lord, when a woman just finds up, is able to buy just a mere little piece of tin to use as a roof, Lord, to put over her little, her little stove so that she can run her business. Things, Lord, that we take so trivial, Lord, but it's such a big deal in places like that. So, Lord, we, we pray for these women that they would know, Lord, that what they have does come from you and that they can do it, that they can do it through your power, Lord, and your strength, Lord, that they can do it and they can provide. 
And Lord, as Katie and Rudy, as they minister over there, I pray for wisdom, Lord, and, and understanding, Lord, that they need, Lord, to bring your word to these people, to these children over there, Lord, and the church that, that we're connected with over there, Lord, for the, the little kids that they minister to. That, Lord, that these little kids would grow in the loving knowledge of you. Lord, I, I think of our, our, our partners in Cambodia, Pastor Seahawk and Pastor Paul, Lord, and, and Dr. Castro and those orphanages over there, Lord, that, that dump site over there, Lord, and these men that you have given, Lord, to go into those areas and the hearts that these men have, just as we saw this morning, Lord, with Pastor Seahawk. Lord, he doesn't only think about his people there. He thinks about us, his faith family here, Lord. The prayers that they're lifting before our almighty God, Lord, on our behalf. So, Lord, please reach out and bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord, for what they are doing, Lord. And in a country, Lord, that has seen so much war, so much turmoil, Lord, so much suppression, Lord, that your light would continue to grow in the dark places. Lord, I think about uh, some of our kids here, Lord, in Athens. I, I think about Kyler and Natalie and, and how they're on the campus, Lord, there at, at Georgia, Lord. And Lord, I would ask that maybe you would start revival there, just like we're seeing at Asbury, that you would work through Kyler and Natalie as they speak to these college kids, that they could show them, Lord, some of your love. And for Megan and Andrew, Lord, uh, you called them back off the field, and they don't quite understand maybe why that is, but Lord, you're preparing them, and they know, Lord, they have a desire, Lord, to still go somewhere. And you're preparing their hearts, Lord, and what they need, Lord, to go to this next place. So, Lord, open the doors in that new place. Already, Lord, begin to prepare hearts, the hearts of the people that they're going to encounter. And prepare uh, Megan and Andrew's heart, Lord, for what you have in store for them coming. Lord, for those around us here in our community, for Hayes Elementary and for Lost Mountain Middle, Lord, how we can get involved there. Lord, there are kids. Some of those kids are our kids right here in our faith family. And Lord, for the schools around us where our kids go, help us, Lord, to step out and get involved. Lord, so that you will shine in these schools that your word will return to these schools, Lord, and our kids will grow to know you more than anything else. For Bethany, Lord, and for Kimberly, Lord, Mercy Street, and, and uh, Sunrise Ministries, Lord, as they reach out to vulnerable women, Lord, right here in our community, women, Lord, who feel so guilty, that they could help these women, Lord, come past the feel of guilt, Lord, to know, Lord, that your blood has already covered anything, Lord, that they could have ever done. Lord, we just love you, Lord. We ask you, Lord, 
to narrow the gap between us and those. Those that are here with me, Lord, on this stage right now, Lord, what they're doing, how they're trying to reach out, Lord. Lord, be with us, Lord, as a faith family, Lord. Show us, Lord, how we could connect more, how we can encourage, Lord, how we can go, Lord, what it is that you would have for each one of us. Lord, I ask for revival, Lord. I ask for revival in this place, Lord, and I ask, Lord, that you would begin it with me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.